um, it's often pretty unpleasant at the bottom of an organization. And I rarely met a young person in under 30 that didn't say, I think I might need a new job. I hate this one. And my, um, my takeaway is don't bail too soon. Um, God has lessons for you in that. And he wouldn't have you there if he didn't think you needed to be there before he gave you the next thing. So hello and welcome to Integrate Faith and Innovate. I'm Dr. Hannah Stoles, Director of the Wheaton Center for Faith and Innovation and Professor of Marketing and Supply Chain Management here with my co-host, F.T. Chung, Head of Private Capital at Pinebridge Investments. This is the podcast for conversations about the integration of faith with practical tips for faithful decision-making in everyday business. So welcome to season two, episode five. In this episode, we're delighted to welcome Catherine Leary-Alsdorf as our guest today. And our conversation today with Catherine will be about calling and how the gospel can inform our work. Um, FT, could you introduce Catherine to us and start us off by talking about how faith and, and spiritual quotient maturity play a role in our work? Uh, yeah. Thanks, FT. Thank you. Um, thank you, Hannah. And this is uh, very exciting for me personally, uh, because I've known uh, Catherine for better part of almost 30 years now. And uh, so the, the introduction is this, uh, Catherine is the founder of the new faith at work approach that uh, we've seen over the past 30 years. Uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll uh, describe what we mean by that. Um, I think there are a lot of faith at work uh, initiatives that have been in place for the past several decades, but um, I think Catherine has played a role to make a, to create an infrastructure where people could get trained, deepen, deepen their faith and really feel more comfortable being more, um, well, maybe not even vocal, but identifying as Christian at work. So. This is really exciting, Catherine. Uh, um, I could say she's the founder of the Center for Faith at Work at Redeemer Presbyterian in New York, but also, uh, importantly, the Gotham Fellowship, which is a training, um, a, a training course for business people or people at work that is now uh, in a number of cities. I don't know the number, we can talk about it soon. Uh, but Catherine, maybe we can start with uh, how did you, the ending part is you, you did all this with uh, faith and work. How did you start? How uh, did you wake up uh, one day in your childhood and said, I'm going to be the doyen of faith and work. Tell us about the beginning of your career. I will. Thank you, <laughs> FT. And it's great to be here with Hannah and you. And um, I've got far more um, years of working than I have time to talk about here today. So I'll try to be really quick. I always only wanted to be a teacher. Of course, I didn't know about much of anything else. So um, that's what I wanted to be. I ended up teaching elementary school for two years. And um, in a summer job, worked as a receptionist for an aerospace economic consulting firm a little bit different from being a teacher. So the second year I taught all about NASA during our lessons on space, 
Um, but by mid-year, I said, you know, there's a lot of world to explore and this other stuff's really exciting. And so I went and begged this company to hire me full time and they did. And I worked there, worked my way up obviously from the bottom uh, to being a project manager for one of their largest projects. We looked at all the economics of the space shuttle program. So <laughs> satellites, um, aircraft fire safety, the global positioning system when it was just a, a concept. So, you know, I think what I, I was not a Christian at that time, yeah. um, but I was so impressed by how excited all the engineers and scientists were that I worked with. And quite honestly, some of the teachers where I worked didn't seem half as excited as that. So yeah. I just decided to stay on that path. I went to business school at University of Virginia. These are not all my diplomas behind. I'm visiting my nephew and niece and they have these diplomas, but I went to Darden for an MBA and came back and worked at a in the uh, more in the private sector with a startup venture capital firms in New York City. So that was a big transition from being a teacher. But at this point, um, I was really excited about small companies and how you create a company culture that innovates something new. So I worked there for a while and along came God um, after a couple of years of being there. And um, so I was really, one of the things I was really worried about in sort of stepping over the line and saying, okay, God, I'm yours, um, was that he might call me to work that I would hate. Um, and about a month later, uh, my boss called me into his office and said, I learned last night, I have a brain tumor and I need you to take over the company. So, you know, I felt like, obviously, you don't say no to your boss who's just learned he has a brain tumor. And secondly, I felt like um, God must be calling because I had been so on my knees to, all right, Lord, I will do whatever you want, but, you know, give me strength to do whatever you want. And so that sort of launched a decade of running a number of companies. I will say I was a very reluctant leader. I never wanted the top spot. I liked the idea of being the number two, where you could just tell the number one person what to do, but you really weren't responsible for it. But God yeah. had a different plan. And every time I tried to get a number two slot, I ended up moving into the number one slot. So I ended up running a number of companies from a satellite television company to a um, hardware and software distance learning company to an internet based management training company. And um, at some point in this, FT was part of a fund that funded that company. <laughs> so we had a little I was not say besides a, yeah. a church career path crossing, we had a business career path crossing. Um, so that company, so all, all along the way in, in that decade, I was learning what it meant to be an, a CEO and even more what it meant to be a Christian. And so, you know, I think I could stop there. After, in 2002, um, that company got squeezed in the dot-com bubble burst, bubble bu bursting, how do you, how you say it? Um, bubble bursting, I guess. And um, and very, I needed a break. I needed to figure out what God was doing. How could he call me to this company and then let it fail? And um, at that time, Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York called me and said, would you at all consider 
praying about coming back to New York from Silicon Valley and um, helping us start a marketplace ministry. We really think we need one. So after a few months, I felt like that's what God was saying to do and spent 10 years. Um, really, it was a very entrepreneurial startup um, yeah. and running that and for the last several years, I've been helping other churches do a similar faith and work. Kind I mean, of. let me take you, I'll interrupt you and take you back to the 90s. Uh, we, were, we were, you know, in New York in the 90s. I remember, you know, and you were already heading some companies. I remember um, the, the, the time I got to know you was you used to do these all night prayers in your apartment. She had a beautiful apartment that looked on the skyline of New York with a deck of some sort, right? Yep, a, yeah. a, a nice terrace. Yeah, and we would go to our apartment and do all night prayers, uh, young at the time. We were young. We were young. I can't, you know, I can't do all night anymore. I fall asleep very, very early, but uh, that's when I got to know you. But one one of the things which, which really leads to the Gotham Fellowship thing is the, um, and, and, um, by the way, I should have said right at the beginning, uh, the reason I got connected with this with this is uh, I'm a Wheaton parent, so my son goes to Wheaton. Um, but uh, the, the church environment we were in, in New York at the time, in the early 90s, had a lot of emphasis on educating you in your faith. So I took some courses uh, that were offered by Westminster in New York, Westminster Pre uh, Seminary. I think you did as well. I think we did Sinclair Ferguson, the uh, doctrine. No, I did a counseling course then. Okay. So I took several courses uh, from people like Sinclair Ferguson and really, uh, really great professors. And so I just wanted, and so you were not walking around, suddenly you're a Christian, suddenly you know everything and I think there was a lot of just sitting at the feet of Tim Keller, listening to Tim teach on numerous topics, right? Uh, where some were sensitive and it's just people in the church will talk about these things among ourselves. So I think to what extent did that help you? Well, I, you know, I, I think what was absolutely clear and I honestly don't think I would have stayed around long enough um, to consider Christianity if Tim hadn't talked about uh, from the pulpit about how your work matters to God. Because I was pretty deep into my career at this point and I knew what I was doing was, you know, it just, I knew I was made to do some of this. Um, I also knew some of it was really, really hard. Um, but Tim Keller talked a lot about um, the way God wants us to use to use us in the world is through the work we do. Now, Tim did not tell us exactly how to do that. So I will say when I was asked to take over as president of the company, you know, I went home that night and said, Lord, I don't know how to be a president of a company and I don't know how to be a Christian in this environment. And I don't have a lot of time to go to classes to study this. So basically I said to God, this is your fault <laughs> that I'm <laughs> in this position and I am entirely dependent on you, yeah. uh, you know, to help me, to guide me, to show me how to be a Christian. Yeah. And I think, um, I think that's exactly where I needed to be. Um, if 
I wasn't out on a limb with my job, I wouldn't be as, I would think I could do it all myself. I, I, would, I could figure it out, but I was definitely um, needy of a relationship with God through that. So while I didn't have a lot of time for study, I had a lot of time to just um, do the every, you know, the prayer every minute you're sort of in crisis and said, God, just protect me. Keep me from like embarrassing you from doing. Yeah. I was still in the old wineskin, you know, uh, a change had happened, but the wineskin yeah. was not showing it yet. And yeah. so I just didn't want the old wineskin to burst. <laughs> <laughs> no, that. no. Yeah. The thing is, we feel, I think young people maybe feel, um, you know, what is work, what's work for a Christian? So number one, number one, which is the least important and most likely not to be true, is that God is going to use me to achieve cure cancer or find the next mm -hmm. whatever, you know, make, I'll be the one to do Middle East peace or uh, solve global warming. That is, I think, the least of, of the four, I, there are four things in my mind. That's the least likely reason you are doing a job. And you know failure, I know failure, right? Uh, and second is it's mission field. So you're serving other people there to serve, to give, to evangelize. So that's more likely. Third is it's God's gymnasium, which is, we are, we are beaten down and trampled and we fail, we are embarrassed, we're humiliated, we have success, we have to deal with it. And so God's amazement. And the fourth is, um, fourth maybe in some case would be as a source of funding for, for church ministry, for, for, other, for other things that God gives you, uh, gives you enough funds that you, you have the ability to uh, help fund ministries or churches or whatever. So the four things. So cure cancer, which I don't think so. I think it is. So I'll, I'll disagree with okay. you there. I think it is also to cure cancer. And I disagree with you. Um, what, what I want to push back on FT is I am the church <laughs> oh, when I'm uh, out in the work. So I don't want to say fund a church ministry because in fact, I am a church ministry, even when I'm in the workplace. So one of the things I want every church to know is they don't have to just pull their people into something that they create, push your people out and have them create something that's ministering in some way or another out there in the world. So I think there's, there's more ways we can serve than our imaginations let us think about. Um, so I wanna talk about, uh, and one of the things that Tim Keller drove home so well is that the gospel changes everything. The gospel changes your head, how you think. And I hope that everyone who's gone to Wheaton has a changed head. You've got a, a theology, you've got a understanding of Genesis and why you were made. You've got under, an understanding of the fall. You've got an understanding of revelation and the new heavens and the new earth. You've got, you've got that picture, um, but the gospel changes how you think. And it certainly had to change over 10 years. Pro and even today, it's changing how I think. I'm learning more sure, and more. Sure. It yeah. changes your heart. And that was the part that's the hardest. Mm -hmm. And it's still the hardest. 
And then it changes your hands. It changes what you do, what you say, the, the ways you behave. But I love that simple, um, it's just sort of a, a simple uh, framework that the gospel changes everything, your head, your hands, and your heart. And um, so talking about, so, so it'd be good to talk about the heart stuff at some point there. Yeah. Yeah, I love, I love this too. I had kind of the opposite journey to you. I, I wanted to go into law or business and ended up a teacher and a professor. And, you know, I, I did my PhD at a, a secular business school. And it wasn't until I got to Wheaton College that I was even introduced to the concept of faith and work. And actually your book, Every Good Endeavor, was one of the first faith and work books that I ever read. And there is something so heartwarming and thinking, I don't have to just make money to support the church or support my pastor who's doing the real work of the kingdom of heaven, but that understanding of my work can actually be promoting and furthering the kingdom of heaven. And I love this, you know, thinking about how the gospel transforms and reframes our work. And I wonder if you could talk about this a little bit as well in the context of leadership. I know students are going to have a little journey, maybe before they're leading, but just thinking about how that transformed you and I love, um, you know, just thinking about the fruit of the spirit and how does that show up then tomorrow, you know, when we go to the workplace, what did that look like for you? Yeah, you know, in those, in that first decade when I didn't have much chance to study, at some point it just dawned on me, if you only have one God thing to think about today, it's love. Hmm. Um, and, you know, that's just not a word that comes up that much when you're trying to succeed in your business. Um, but for me, it was like love my customer, the, especially the really, really annoying customer. It was how do I love the engineer that promised to get something done on a particular delivery schedule and then they didn't get it done. Um, and I found that like enough to work with. <laughs> just, I mean, there's a lot of fruit of the spirit and they all go together. But if I just, in my simple mind could just focus on love and, and even to the extent of, is the product I'm making in a, a way of loving my neighbor? Is it in some way extending God's goodness to people who don't know it, don't, don't experience God's goodness? So I love thinking about it, you know, in, in all those realms from, you know, who your customer is, what the product itself is, who your employees are, um, who your suppliers are, anyone you come in contact with, um, love. Yeah, you know, um, the non-Christian word for love today is ESG, environmental, social, and governance and diversity, right? So in a sense, uh, the non-Christian world has stolen our, what we should, the Christians should be out front with environmental, social governance, diversity. And we have a better uh, word for it than ESG, but it's love, you're right, right? Uh, and uh, to the extent we haven't been out front with it, other people have kind of captured the, the conversation. And what I love about what that um, FT is that they combine in that, in that um, what you're saying the, yes. you know, the secular yes. world does, yes. they combine justice with love. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of that is what's fair. How do you be just? And Christians mm -hmm. tend to think love is just being nice. But love mm -hmm. is so much bigger than nice. It's being fair, it's giving, it's, it's actually having consequences, not just 
um, everything, yeah. everybody's happy. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. You, know, you don't love your children if you don't ever discipline your children. You, so when you're running an organization or even a team, um, love is justice and love, grace and love. Um, those things are really tied together. Yeah, yeah. And, and both of us, I think, feel the Christian, at least the evangelical theology of work is kind of very shallow, right? Uh, it, it's, uh, um, and, and I think that you, you may not um, describe your ministry that way, but Catherine, I view you as have, helping to develop the theology of work. What is work? What does it mean to a Christian? Uh, and as you said, it's not just putting a Bible on your desk, right? Um, yeah, I, I felt, uh, so when I was in Silicon Valley, I, I went to a number of business people's faith and work kinds of things. And um, I, I, I have to say, I felt a little disappointed. I thought, all right, I've just like totally submitted my entire life to this God who I've just got to know it better be bigger than putting my Bible on my desk. It needs to be everything. And so working, working on the heart part, um, I, I don't know about you guys, but I can feel sorry for myself at work, you know, like envy shows up. Sure, sure. And so I'm in the middle of that envy kind of thing and say, oh, you know, I'm just going to go home, take my toys and go home. <laughs> it's sort of what you feel like yeah. I'm going to quit today. And, you know, to be able to go home to God and say, all right, this is a crucible. This is where you're, you're pounding your love and truth into me. And what do you, what am I missing? What am I not getting about your promises right now? And I think it's trust. You know, I don't really trust him. I think, all right, I've got to do it all. And, you know, I'll pray for God to add on the extras. But really, as you go along in your career, you see, this is so much more. Than, this is every ounce of it is trusting him. Yeah. And once I can start to cultivate that trust, then the envy isn't there as much. You know, yeah. I have to trust that, all right, God, you may not be giving me what that person is getting, but you have me here for your reason. I have to trust in your reason and that that's enough for me. And that took me a long, that no, still not, is work for me. It's, it's work, I think, whole life, you know, trusting, trusting God for the results, putting in the effort and really the super, the, the, ultra effort and then letting go of the result because in the result, God is talking to me about something, whether it's yeah. success or other failure. Right. Um, so right. two things I don't want to miss, um, and you mentioned it, Hannah, uh, Every Good Endeavor um, is a book that we want to recommend. We don't yeah. normally plug books, but, uh, and so Catherine and Tim Keller co-wrote this. Is that a fair statement? Yes, yeah, fair. Uh, and tell us just very briefly uh, what it's about and why people should read it. Yeah, after about 10 years of um, working, just really, we, we felt like the Center for Faith and Work was a research lab. 
in a way. We were just trying to say, all right, what of God's word can really apply and change our hearts and change our lives? And so after 10 years, uh, we felt like we had enough good stuff to put together into a book. And it's very simple, really. The first part of the book is what is God's plan for our work? The second part of the, work, the book is what's the problem with our work? And the third part is basically what's the hope for our work? Um, and we meant it to be sort of your 101 level of faith and work. Let, you know, just get all the basics out here. And there's plenty more to discuss in the 201 level and the 301 level, but if we can all sort of read the same thing and have the vocabulary, right. then um, then we can have deeper conversations as that, you know, in each decade, work life changes a little bit. So sure. people listening here will have to wrestle with new issues five years from now than they were wrestling with today. And so yeah. we hope that it gives you a, a theological framework and foundation to move into the next set yeah. of things in this world. So every good endeavor, uh, uh, sorry, I'm just yeah. gonna plug the book. Uh, Go ahead, FT, we want, we want lots of plugging. If you don't read this, you may be the only one who hasn't read it since you have, what, sold a million copies or more? We sold a lot, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah. So, I love it. And, and every good endeavor, like I said earlier, is one of the first, you know, faith and work books I read. And it creates so much hope. And you realize there's so much opportunity as a Christian. And we know that work can be hard and grueling. And, you know, we heard it shaped you, right? Having to trust God and having to love people that are really hard to love. It's hard work. Um, and I, I kind of want to think as well, you know, when I, you know, read every good endeavor and just hearing you talk, like it makes me so hopeful and happy about being a Christian in this space. But we know that hope comes from perseverance and challenge. And so I'd love to hear about some of the challenges. Like, you know, it's, we're not always welcomed with open arms if we love Jesus. And it doesn't always go over well with customers and suppliers and coworkers. And even in leading, there's challenges there. So have you seen that where, you know, you've had challenges throughout your career or even coming into Redeemer and doing the work that you're doing now, where have you felt the most pushback and what has that looked like? Yeah, um, you know, it's always hard to discern whether um, your fear of sharing your faith is discernment or um, just fear. <laughs> and so in the technology <laughs> world, in the, in the media world, in New York City, in a lot of different fields, um, it can be very challenging to um, be out in the open as a Christian. Um, and in some ways, I think it's easier when you're starting out, but it's not easier if you have a boss. I mean, I've had bosses that made it really clear they thought Christians were the stupidest people on earth. And you know, that's not an environment. I just, I do believe it was discernment to not <laughs> just put my flag up right at that moment and, and, and let my, let my work um, speak for itself for a yeah. while and my behavior speak for itself for a while. So I, I do think we have to, um, I, as our environment becomes increasingly hostile, we have to look um, and be wise in what we share. I will say that um, what I would hear in Silicon Valley from people who are not Christian was uh, Christians don't work as hard. 
-hmm. Christians don't have as much motivation. Christians don't pursue excellence. I wouldn't really want to hire a Christian. And I have to say that was a little bit unnerving um, because I want them to say Christians pursue more excellence because they're working for God. I want them to say, I can trust a Christian uh, to be a promise keeper um, yeah. because of their relationship sure. with God. I can trust a Christian to be a good team player and not be self-serving, but that's not what I heard. So I, I think that um, it's really, you just need to read your environment. Um, on the other hand, we are in an increasingly um, diverse religious environment. And um, I think that opens a lot of doors. Mm -hmm. If someone is just sharing about, you know, whatever yoga weekend they went on and the, the benefits to them of yes. meditation, I hope that opens a door for, I had a prayer time and, you know, that was really yeah. amazingly good for me last week. I hope that when we're with a Hindu colleague or a Muslim colleague, there's just ways we can look, we can ask God to open doors in those with that diversity. Um, and actually I find that people who claim to believe in no God are more hostile than those who believe in of a different faith. So, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and Christians uh, have this superpower in that we can pray to Jesus. <laughs> so I like yeah. the people around me who have superpowers. <laughs> I mean, I would like to say because I pray to Jesus, I'm even more excellent at work, but um, given it's all where you're starting from, it's all relative. <laughs> so yeah. I'm far better than I would have been without Jesus. Yeah. Uh, there's plenty of people who aren't Christian who are better people than I am. Oh, absolutely. And God, yeah. in God's mercy, he extends his grace widely. So yeah. um, I don't also, I don't want to miss talking about uh, Gotham Fellowship and then City to City. Uh, in that it's not just Catherine working in the small office with a small bunch of people for one church, but tell us about the growth, where it is, what Gotham Fellowship does. Yeah, and you know, if, if you're still in college now, I hope you have some of that built-in fellowship, but any of you who have been out for five years, um, you're starting to feel fairly lonely uh, for lack of people that you can really go into the into depth about the challenges of your work and your faith life. And often people sort of grow away from God as they leave school and various campus ministry programs. So, you know, part of my job at the Center for Faith and Work was to find ways to meet the needs of people two years out of college to 20 years out of college. And um, it seemed if we were really looking for hearts to change, minds to change and behavior to change, it needed to be intensive. It needed to be nine months together with 20 to 30 other people that you are, that you've made a covenant with to uh, truly dig deep into your faith over the course of a year. So we designed this program, it's, it's all, I meant it to be seminary for people who are lawyers or doctors or nurses or 
business people who wouldn't go to seminary but want what seminaries to have, have to offer. So we dig deep into theology. We read Augustine. We read uh, John Owen. We talk about and ask people to pray for gospel transformation in themselves, but also in their work environment. The work. So you know, how as they go into that work environment, <coughs> can they be agents of transformation at the lowest to the highest levels? Um, it doesn't really matter what level you're at. Um, so we have this great nine-month program. It's in its 15th or 16th year at Redeemer now. And it's been so popular that other churches have come to us and said, would you show us how to start a program like this? So we've had about, I think right now there's about 12 cities, uh, churches in 12 cities running um, a version of the Gotham Fellows Program. And it continues to spread um, Redeemer um, Redeemer's church planning arm now supports all these um, other church programs. And if you end up in a city um, and want to know if there's a program like that in your city, just call, look on Redeemer City to City website and it will tell you what cities have a Gotham Fellows program. So it's different than the program right when you graduate from college in that you've got to have a job, you've got to have some work experience and you're doing it kind of like you do an executive education program. You're doing it nights and weekends. Um, and there is a, 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 how many people are in each group? Each you know, group? some of them are only 12 or 15 and others are 30 to 40. Yeah, so and in some way. cities there's a waiting list, right, to get into it. It's kind of like... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's I think there's, there's 45 in the New York one now. But uh, a, a pretty good group. That, you don't have to be a member of the particular church that's sponsoring mm -hmm. it. Um, so if you can find one in the city you're going to that, you know, join. And most of them take people up to all ages. Some restrict, you know, it's 35 and under, that kind of thing. But um, it's a great experience. What an awesome opportunity, you know, you know, for people like, you know, Wheaton students, they get such great exposure to you know theologians and bible scholars and then for the rest of us you know who went to secular undergrad programs and um this is such an awesome opportunity to get that kind of demon experience but not being just applying it in what we've known as full-time ministry but in our work um is such it's a it's a really really excellent model and um i really you've you've built something really beautiful and even for the Wheaton students they may mm -hmm. have learned it but they haven't been working out in the yeah. world while I learned it. So it, yeah, it's, it's very different. It's, it's very different if you read confessions and then <laughs> five years later when you're working, yeah. you read confessions. And it's you know where the rubber meets the road and you're like, yeah, okay, I know, I know how it feels. Now I get <laughs> yeah. yeah. They, yeah, they exactly. do read differently after a little life experience. Right. Um, we're almost at time. So I wanted to ask if you'd be willing to share like a guiding scripture or um, even like a passage, it could be Augustine, I don't know, um, okay, that you would say, man, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, right, I'm going to do two things, okay? So guiding, there's so many guiding scriptures, but um, I would say the one that has been guiding for me for the last two decades or so has been um, Hebrews 10, 24. Um, and let us consider how to stir one up, what, stir up one another to love and good works. And um, so that's been important to me because I don't think we might 
have ideas of accountability, like accountability so you don't fall into sexual sin or something like that. But we tend to not stir one another up um, enthusiastically to do things to serve God. So that's just been part of my mission is to stir people up kind of like you're doing right now. So um, you're, you're doing Hebrews 10, 24 really well. Thank you. And I think the, um, the takeaway I would have for especially the younger people, people that are not yet in their career or just starting out, um, it's often pretty unpleasant at the bottom of an organization. And I rarely met a young person in under 30 that didn't say, I think I might need a new job. I hate this one. And my, um, my takeaway is don't bail too soon. Um, God has lessons for you in that. And he wouldn't have you there if he didn't think you needed to be there before he gave you the next thing. And so in retrospect, I can see, you know, in my 20s, I had no sense of a calling, but in retrospect, I can see how extremely valuable um, every bad job was. And some of it was valuable because I needed to learn the skill. Others were valuable because I needed to cultivate through the spirit. I needed to learn to trust God. I needed to quite honestly um, get humbled a bit and not be so full of myself and think I could change the world overnight just because I had a good idea. Um, so it's don't bail too soon. Yeah. God do what God needs to do. Yeah. Well, too soon is very important. Uh, yeah. Uh, at some point, we, you may need to bail, but uh, right. seeking it out, I think there's, yeah, it's uh, being in the fire, right? You want to jump out of the crucible. All right, but you haven't been refined yet, so you'll probably end up in another crucible. Well, th exactly. I think I I wish I had been refined a little, let myself be refined, because I did get repeat crucibles <laughs> several times. <laughs> you thought you escaped. <laughs> I did, exactly. Yeah, thank you so much, Catherine. Uh, obviously, there's so much more to talk about. Um, but uh, you are very inspiring. You have started something that hopefully, and it's our, our, our goal as well. Uh, we call it spiritual quotient, which is the ability, not just IQ and EQ, but bring your spiritual uh, maturity and depth to work. Uh, and all of the stuff that you've done, the Gotham Fellowship types of the, the curriculum, the new vernacular for work and faith um, <clears throat> will contribute uh, towards uh, taking the Christian SQ uh, to work so that eventually people will not say the Christians are lazy and, <laughs> I don't want, and stupid and we don't want to hire them. Um, uh, and really be, we want the opposite to happen over time, right? I would love people to be asking us all, what is the reason for the hope that is in you? Yeah. <laughs> and be ready to answer it as well. Yes. So, yeah. so um, shall we uh, close in prayer? Thank you very much again. Uh, Thank you very much. This was delightful. Yeah. Hannah, you. you pray. I would love to. Thank you. All right. Um, 
Father God, I thank you for, for Catherine. I'm so grateful that you called her and that she answered and responded that the work that she has done has laid a pathway for us to walk in and follow in. And it's um, amazing because it leads us to be stirred up to do good works for you. And it is truly inspiring. So I thank you for, for her and for her work um, that she has done today. And so I just pray right now for anyone listening, anyone watching this podcast, that Lord, they feel stirred, that they feel inspired, that they're called to something bigger and that they can you know, put their, their heart, their head and their hands to doing good work for you. So I pray that you just I, um, bless everyone who gets to be um, partake in this conversation. I pray that you bless these words in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Thank, Thank you. Very much.